Good morning. Hope you guys are good. Um, so that video is from um, this past month in July. We did three, three uh, sessions. I talked about this some last week. These sessions were called Closing the Gap. It were, was where we realized that a lot of times in church, we're taught a lot of truth, which is good, and we know a lot of truth, and we learned a lot of stuff, but a lot of times we don't have experience that goes along with that truth. And so there's this gap that kind of exists between what we know a lot of times and what we've experienced a lot of times. The example I used last week was like sharing our faith, where we may have heard messages about sharing our faith, that why we share our faith, why we should share our faith, how we share our faith. But then um, I know for me, and I know probably for all of you too, there's a, still a gap there between knowing why, how, and then actually doing that. Um, and so these sessions, these close the gap sessions are designed to do exactly that. It's a chance for us to come together and connect the truth we know with experience. So um, we've looked at, um, in, in those three sessions, um, experiencing God's word, experiencing the voice of God, and experiencing fullness in Christ. That was experiencing fullness in Christ you just saw there. We're gonna do these, those three again this month, coming up pretty quick. Um, I want to encourage you to go and sign up for those. We had really good response. Felt like God did some awesome things through those first three. And so it's why we wanted to show you some videos of these. And I want to encourage you to sign up for them. We, we try to limit the space because it is um, a little bit um, more intimate environment, more um, just better, I think, with a smaller group. And so um, get signed up for one of those and, and um, come join us for that. It's, it's uh, been pretty incredible so far. God's faithful. Um, when we step in faith to do what he calls us to, um, he's faithful to do his part for sure. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, this morning, we're going to continue the Heart and Soul series. If you've been around, you've heard us use that language a lot. Um, heart and Soul refers um, to what we would call kind of like members, but we never really wanted just like a long membership list. We wanted people who were heart and soul with the mission of Christ. Told you a little bit about that. It comes out of 1 Samuel 14, where Jonathan, who is King Saul, um, he's a king of Israel. His son is going to attack some Philistines who were their enemies. Um, they were outnumbered, um, kind of a, a really a daunting task. But he tells his armor bearer what he's planning to do, and his armor bearer looks at him and tells him, do all you have in mind, for I'm with you, heart and soul. And there's something powerful about knowing that there are people with you who have your back, who are willing to run with you. And, and that's what we're talking about here, people who are willing to run together to accomplish um, God's kingdom purposes on earth. And so um, that's what we're looking at. Uh, we've been through several things so far. Um, and we've talked about this the last few weeks. If, if you have missed these messages, maybe you're just getting back in town for school and that kind of thing, glad you're back. Um, and you want to go back and catch these, you can catch, catch them on our website, uh, connection.church, I think. I'm pretty sure that's right. And then, um, or we have an app actually too you can go to, and that's what I do. It's just easy to find messages um, on there. And so anyway... Um, we've been talking through these. You can go back and catch these later. But some of the things we've talked about so far is how um, proximity is a privilege. We looked at Hebrews chapter 10, and we talked about how important it is, if we're going to be heart and soul, that we're heart and soul together, right? You can't be heart and soul if you're not together. We talked about the challenge of that right now um, with the way things are with this pandemic and all this stuff going on, but to, to not fall away. 
um, to, to do this to the best way that we can, uh, to the best possibility we can at this time. Um, we talked about last week how proximity has a purpose, and we specifically looked at how um, we as the church are called to equip and encourage um, one another. And so um, that's kind of where we are. It's a very brief, um, very poor um, synopsis, but I only have about 15 more minutes, so, um, or 20 minutes, or maybe 30, I don't know, but we'll see where it ends. And, um, but that's sort of a synopsis of where we've gotten to. First week, really, this proximity of drawing close to God, drawing close to each other, um, and, and the power in that. Last week, looking at proximity has a purpose and the equipping and encouraging side of that that we need to be about as a church. So today, we're going to go to Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to be. Acts chapter 13. Uh, the book of Acts is um, it's really a continuation of what Jesus began. That's what Luke, who wrote um, the, the Acts and wrote the Gospel of Luke, when he wrote Acts, he, he started out by saying um, that his gospel was about the beginning of what Jesus had done. And so this is, book of Acts is a continuation of what Jesus has done uh, through the Holy Spirit, through his church. And so as we look at this, keep that in mind that this is after Jesus has ascended and now the Holy Spirit has been sent to us and now the church is going out and doing the things that Jesus had um, called them, commissioned them and sent them to do. And so that's what we're reading about in the book of Acts. When we get to Acts chapter 13, we're gonna be reading about um, the apostle Paul, uh, a man by the name of Barnabas, um, and they're gonna be sent out into the world um, to share the gospel, plant churches, strengthen and encourage churches, those kind of things. And so we're picking up with uh, what a lot of people call Paul's first missionary journey, okay? Where he went out, he began to share the gospel, he began to declare, demonstrate, if we, as we've talked about, um, the gospel, planting churches, um, starting churches, and equipping, um, encouraging, strengthening the churches uh, that he uh, had gone to. And so Acts 13, let's read verses, let's just read verses one through four to start with. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they, Saul is Paul, by the way, um, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Let's just stop right there. We'll pick up with the rest, but let's, let's pray before we jump in. Lord, thank you for your word and its truth. Thank you for the power God, I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be alert to hear and receive what you have for us today, God, those you've called here together to run with this, Lord, to be your church in the world. God, I pray we could see this. You would give us um, eyes to see, give us ears to hear, Lord. I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to receive what you would have for us, God, and that, Lord, in all of it, you would be glorified, Jesus, that you would be lifted high and you would draw uh, people to yourself, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, something my family and I have started doing more, and, and we have not really done this much in the past, is, is playing golf. Um, 
How many golfers? Got some golfers in here. Any golfers? Y'all are smart. It's a waste of money. But um, anyway, um, so I used to play a lot um, back before I had kids. Um, then when I had kids, golf was gone. Um, and so now my, my, my kids are starting to want to play. So we've started playing some. And it's funny because I see like a lot of where they're at and where I was. I can remember like when I first started playing. And those of you who've played know this, that it can be like it's an evil game, right? It can be evil. Because what you do is you go out there, you pay your money to play, you get out there and you're hitting it and you're hitting it all over the place, right? And you, you're just knocking it around everywhere. But then you get like to the last hole and you come up to, and, and you're ready to hit your shot and you hit one and you hit it so sweet and so pure and so good. And, and, and you know, you either hit it straight down the fairway or you hit it up close to the pin or whatever. And 15 minutes ago, you were like throwing stuff and you're like, I'm selling my clubs. I'm never coming back. And you hit that one good shot. And then you're like, I love this game. And, and here it is like, you're towards the end and you're like, I think I've got it figured out now. And you think like I've, I've made this progress. And so you come back and, and I see this now, like with my, with my boys, because, um, it, it's so funny we'll go hit balls on the driving range and, and I'll see them, they're hitting some pretty good balls. And I can tell, like, they think like, I got this figured out. And then we go play and they're knocking it around everywhere and they're getting all mad. And, 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 and cause I never get mad cause I'm not competitive at all. And I don't know where they got their competitiveness from, but, um, when, when they're knocking around, they're getting mad, but I'm looking at them I'm like, you know, you've only been doing this for like a month, right? You've never um, had many lessons or anything like that. It's something completely new. And one of the things you'll see when you um, start looking at golf swings or baseball swings, what you'll find is that in a golf swing, the good golfers all do certain things the same way. They might look different at different points, but there are certain things, there are certain positions they're going to get into that are the same. With a hitter, they may stand different initially. They may look different when they step into the batter's box, but there are certain positions, there are certain things that they are all who are successful going to do similar, okay? Um, and, and so there's sort of a pattern or a design that, that has given there that they know that these are positions I need to get in if I'm going to have success. What we're doing as a church in a big way is looking at the pattern that God gave his church. If we want to see success in the church, then we need to look at the pattern that God has given and not try to create our own. And we need to begin to practice the things that we see in scripture, doing the things that we see in scripture so that um, ultimately God's plan is fulfilled. I had a coach one time that, that used to say this. He said, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So if you're doing the wrong thing over and over again, all it's doing is getting ingrained. And I think that's what's happened to us in church tradition a little bit is some things that we're off a little bit on. We, we've kind of done it over and over and over again so that it just becomes ingrained in who we are. And so we're trying to look at the pattern and not continue to practice things that aren't perfect, that aren't exactly the way God wants them to be and trying to bring correction to that so that God's purposes can be accomplished. So um, we want to... Um, Practice perfectly because practice makes permanent, right? And we'll strive for perfection. We just won't expect it. 
a lot of sayings there. I know you didn't get those, but let's keep moving. Um, so anyway, that's what we're looking at. One of the things we've done and one of the patterns we've looked at in scripture is the church of Antioch. Antioch was really a ministry hub for Paul and Barnabas that we just read about. In fact, when we read about this in Acts 13, one through four, they're, they're being sent out of Antioch. And we've talked about how Antioch in scripture, um, uh, was, was a place that Paul sort of viewed and, and used as a resource center. Um, Jerusalem was kind of like this for some of the other apostles. But Antioch was this place we've talked about that was a, an equipping and sending center. And so one of the, a couple of things we've looked at, three things we've looked at um, in Antioch was this. One is this, that there was... Um, in Antioch, a demonstration and declaration of the gospel. You can go back to chapter 11 and read the founding of this church in Antioch and how it came about. And there was this demonstration and declaration of the gospel. It was a living, thriving community um, in Jesus that, that, that was uh, demonstrating and declaring the gospel. Um, there was also equipping and encouraging that took place. We talked about this some um, last week that um, you read throughout the book of Acts, there was constant teaching, there was constant equipping, there was tons of encouraging. We all need to be encouraged in our faith. It's one of the reasons that proximity is a privilege. When we talked about that, we need to be encouraged in our faith. And so um, that's extremely important. The third one is we see that people were being set apart and sent out. So there was a demonstration, a declaration, an equipping and encouraging, a setting apart and ascending out. And so when we look at this today, we're going to focus on the third one, which is set apart and sent out. So we've looked at the demonstration and declaration. We've looked at the equipping and encouraging. Today, we're really going to be looking at the setting apart and sending out. Now, to fit this into where we are as a church and what we've always focused on as a church, I told you last week that there are um, there it is. Four things that we do as a church. The first one Anybody else got the touch? All right, the first one is um, Sunday mornings, okay? Um, just have to say it, right? Uh, so Sunday mornings. And so that was, that's the first thing that we talked about that we do. Um, the second one then is never going to come up here um, because this is so far behind at this point. But it's connect groups. We talked about our small groups, right? That, that, that's something that's extremely important. This thing's voice activated. I know like our phones listen to us and stuff, but that's ridiculous, right? Um, and, and so like connect groups, small groups is, is really important. The next one then is kids and students. Yeah, we'll just go with it. If it's up there, if it's not, we'll just keep talking. And so kids and students is really important to us. We want to see them um, come to know Christ. We want to see them raised up, discipled, equipped, encouraged, set apart, sent out, the same thing. Um, the last one is missions and outreach. And so this is one we want to focus on today a lot when we talk about being set apart and sent out is missions and outreach. And specifically because this is one that I feel like really needs to change the most. Um, and, and so when we think about this, here's where I'm at. I believe we need to get rid of this, this thought of missions and outreach, and it needs to be replaced with church planting. Okay, it needs to be replaced with church planning. And here's the, one of the reasons why. I believe when we think about missions, oftentimes we, we think that that's just for a few people. 
That's something that, you know, like um, Shane, who is a part of our church, who um, has gone to North Africa, that, that, that kind of becomes something we think about. It's just for a, a small handful of people. Whereas church planting, I want you to see this as it's not just a missionary going, it's a people who are going. It's a group, and we're going to see that this is the pattern of Scripture, that people were sent out together. Um, another reason, honestly, and this has been what I've seen here and just in my experience, this is not a blanket statement for all churches or certainly not all ministries, okay, but then not all churches. This is what my experience has been with outreach, at least the way we've seen it done and what I've been a part of, is that outreach typically is not very effective. It's not very effective. And the reason is, it's sort of one of those things where you fly in and fly out typically, there's not enough focus, there's not enough investment, there's not enough attention, there's not enough consistency, um, there's not enough buy-in. Whereas you look at what Shane has done in North Africa, um, he has gone into a community and that is now his community. He is there. Whereas outreach typically is we'll go do something for you, possibly meet a really good need, but then we hope you'll follow us back here. The, the thing that I kind of really think is wrong with that is this, that the church has been asking the world to come to us for far too long when the Bible is really clear that we're supposed to go to the world. It's supposed to be the other way around. So we will do outreach or do things in the community with hopes that the community comes here. We need to begin to really put feet to this and begin to go into the community. And so the way that this is, seen in scripture as happening is by planting churches. Some of that we've seen happen already. We've planted um, five churches now, Vidalia and Millen and Dublin and Savannah um, and now in Athens. Um, and so we've seen, seen some of these things happening. But typically when we think about church planting, we think about something that is far away. Um, something that is in another way over in another community across the state, whatever it might be, or way across the ocean. Uh, what I want you to see is that church planning can happen across the street. It doesn't have to happen across the ocean. It can happen across town. And, and so I want you to start seeing this this morning. And so when we talk about church planting, this is what we're talking about. If we're going to do this though, guys, our Worldview of church has to change. Our worldview of church has to change. We talked about this some in, in the first uh, message, but I want to hit this again. That the church um, in scripture, the word that's, that we get church from is ecclesia. Ecclesia is a gathering, an assembly, a company, or a group of people. The church specifically as we know it, is a gathering, an assembly, a group, a company of people gathered in the name of Jesus for his purposes. What are his purposes? To demonstrate and declare, to equip and encourage, to set apart and send out what we see happening in the book of Acts in Antioch. And so we need to be able to see that. Uh, we got to change our worldview of this. And so um, that a church is not what we think of as this this building or even, you know, uh, you plant a church, you, you need a building, you need a website, you need a brand, you need this, you need that. You got to have all these things. No, you just need believers with the word of God. That's really what you need. 
And so we need to change our thinking about what a church is. There's no requirement uh, that you have um, 600 people. There's no requirement. You can have six or 6,000. But if we're gathered in the name of Jesus to demonstrate and declare the gospel, to encourage and equip believers and to be set apart and sent out, then that's the function of the church. And that's what we see in scripture. I want to answer this real quick. What is a church plant? How many of you have ever heard somebody talk about planting a church and kind of confused about what that meant? Like I've talked with people that have said that, like, so what is a church plant? Well, if you take just those two words, you can pretty easily figure that out, right? That this is a, the church is a gathering, a group that are gathered in Jesus's name to fulfill the functions of the church, to demonstrate, declare, equip and encourage, set apart and send out. Um, what is a plant? Literally a plant uh, to plant something is to place a seed bulb or plant in the ground so that it can grow. Obviously we're not talking about growing plants. We're talking about um, reaching people. And so a church plant is taking a group of people and putting them in an area that um, needs to be transformed, needs to be reached with the gospel of Jesus. And then seeing that expand is planting a small group of people who then begin to reach the people around them. And then once they've reached those people, um, they, they're demonstrating and they're declaring the gospel. They reach those people. Those people are equipped and encouraged. And guess what? Then some of them begin to be set apart and sent out. And then things begin to multiply. And that's how you change a geographical area. It's not by trying to get everybody to come into our building. It's taking people who are in the building out into the community. And there has to be this focus, this intense focus, this intense um, commitment to that community. The next thing I want you to see in this is that church planning is a team activity. This is not something to be done by ourselves. This is not what we see in scripture. Um, when we look at this, Jesus sent people out two by two. Um, we look at Paul. Paul didn't go on these missionary journeys by himself. There were people with him. Um, usually, even if it says Paul went here or Paul went there, he's traveling with a group of people to accomplish what God's called him to accomplish and sent him to do. And so there's this team of people who are sent. And we need to see and understand too that we are the body of Christ who is being sent just as Jesus was sent. So a group of people being sent, there's no one person that can fully represent God by themselves. When Jesus walked the earth in himself, the Bible tells us was the exact representation, the very image of God. But now we know this, that we are the body of Christ. And one of the reasons we're not going out by ourselves, we're going with a team is because no one person can represent Christ. It's us in relationship, sharing and doing life together. It's us um, caring for one another. It's us encouraging one another, equipping uh, that, that people see. And that begins to show them the reality of God. And so we see in scripture where Jesus was sent, physically came to earth. Then we see where now we are the body of Christ. So we are sent. So by the very nature of who Jesus is, by the very nature of who we are, we are called to be sent into the world. And the pattern in scripture is this, that we are not sent alone, but we go with a group of people, a multi-gifted, uh, gifted, multi-gifted group that goes into the world to accomplish the mission and purpose of God. And so it's a team 
activity. It's not something we do alone. Even in scripture, guys, and this is something to kind of be aware of, we live in a very individualistic society. And so a lot of times when we read scripture and it says you, um, like you are the salt of the earth, because of kind of how our mindset is, we'll, we'll immediately take that as me, like by myself. But what I found is in scripture, so many times when the writer uses the word you, it is a plural you. It's not a singular you. He's saying you as in y'all. It'd be easier if the Bible just used y'all. Like y'all are the light of the word world. Y'all, you know, are the salt of the earth. And so we need to see this, that, that the point in this is that we are to be, we have become a unique, distinct community that God has called some to be set apart and sent out into the world. It might be across the ocean, it might be to the farthest point on the globe, or it might be across town. But many in here are called to be set apart and sent out to declare and demonstrate the gospel to those who don't know him. There's only, there's only certain people that are going to come through the doors of the church. And if we just are gonna try to reach the people who come through the doors, then we're fishing in a real small pond because the majority of people in this community will never come through the doors of this church but if somebody goes out and demonstrates the love of God to them and begins to invest in them out of a true heart of love for them and they truly see that we care for them and don't want something from them, then eventually influence is built and an opportunity for sharing Christ is given. But we can't just expect people to walk through the doors. We can swap sheep like that, but we're not gonna see the harvest that God wants to see. In this as well, I want to, and we'll get to um, Acts 13 a little more now, but in this, God gives us a pattern, a pattern for how this is supposed to happen. And if you look at this, look at uh, Acts 13, uh, beginning in verse one, it says, uh, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. I'm not going to read all those names again. Um, verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, so one of the things I want you to see in this is that this began with worship, fasting. It began with prayer, tells us on down that, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so this started with prayer. The pattern that God gives us for setting apart and sending out begins with prayer. It begins with, with praying to God and seeking God's heart in this. The second thing that happens is we sense the Holy Spirit's leading. You see this. This was not a work of man where they sat around a table and came up with a good plan. This was the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit who said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And when it goes on in uh, verse four, he says this, to the, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia 
and sailed from there to Cyprus. And so we see this, that this was a work of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit's leading. It wasn't just some idea that they had, but during worship and fasting and prayer, seeking the Lord, um, the Holy Spirit said, set them apart for me so that they can do the work that I've called them to. Now, The next thing that happens, so prayer, the Holy Spirit's leading. When we go into an area, there needs to be this gaining of influence. And so um, one of the things that you'll notice in, in the book of Acts is this. Paul had this pattern that happened over and over and over again when he would go into a new city. He would go into a new city and typically he went to a synagogue. A synagogue was a place of worship for Jewish people. And he would go to the synagogue and he'd begin to preach and declare the gospel. And there's a couple of reasons I believe that Paul went there. One, it was the Jewish people. It was the same people as him. It was his people. Um, It was uh, the people of God, the nation of Israel. He would go to them to declare it. But two, Paul had such an incredible knowledge. He was raised as, as a Pharisee, this religious leader. He knew the the Old Testament backwards and forwards. He knew it, um, you know, just just by memory, he knew the whole thing. And so he could go into this synagogue and begin to teach and declare the scripture and talk about the scripture. And and then um, it was like instant uh, influence. They could tell like, okay, he kind of knows this stuff. And sometimes when we go into a place, there may be influence that we already have. Maybe there's, there's people we already have somewhat of a relationship with, but maybe there's not. Um, so influence is either existing or it's developed. As we're compelled by God's love, sometimes that influence needs to be developed so it becomes a doorway into people's lives. But that's what we see throughout scripture is that Paul would go into these places. The other apostles would go into these places and in different ways, they would build influence. We see this um, as Paul in verse five, uh, heads straight for the synagogue and begins to proclaim the word. The next one then is to demonstrate and declare the gospel. If you look at uh, verse five, it says that he goes in and he begins to proclaim the word of God, meaning the good news, the gospel of Jesus. In Acts 13, six through 12, it says this, that they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul. The proconsul was like a governor of an area in Rome. His name was Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, a sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, you're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw this and saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And so we see this, that yes, there was a declaration, but there's also this demonstration. It came with power. 
Now, I've never prayed for anybody, told them they were going to be blind and then mist come over their eyes, right? But the gospel, and they go blind, but the gospel is still powerful. God still does miracles. God still works in mighty ways. And we can step in boldness and courage, knowing that as we preach and proclaim the gospel, God is going to do work. He's going to do the things that he's promised he will do. And so there needs to be a demonstration and a declaration of the gospel. We see that throughout scripture where when the gospel was proclaimed, God also demonstrated his power. And so we need to step in faith, continuing to believe that. Now, what happens next is this. Some are one to Christ. The Holy Spirit moves and people come to know Jesus. The proconsul who is, like I said, this governor of an area in Rome, he is um, one to the Lord. When you go on and keep reading, uh, you just see this over and over and over again. Paul would proclaim the gospel. They would demonstrate the gospel. People would come to know the Lord. The church is just growing. Churches are being started, planted all over the place. The gospel is moving and the word of God is spreading like crazy. And so they continue to go through there. If you look at um, verse 13 in Acts 13, From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Persia in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. If you keep reading, where now they've they've gone um, on and they're 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 going about this island, um, and all this this island of Cyprus, and and they're 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 spreading the gospel. Then you begin to see um, that people are being won to Christ. The next thing that you see is that these people begin to be discipled and equipped. This is the pattern throughout scripture over and over again, throughout Acts is this this pattern. You see people who are being um, discipled and equipped after they are one to Christ. Like I said earlier with these gentlemen, it wasn't something that just happened and that was the end, that was the end goal. This was the beginning for them. So they begin to be discipled, they begin to be equipped. And we see this happen. If you read Acts 13, you don't see much about them staying and teaching and discipling. But if you go over to Acts 15, um, remember we're talking about the island of Cyprus, and you go to verse 36, it says this, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of God or the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. So they have a dispute over taking a guy named um, John Mark. And so Paul ends up going one way, Barnabas goes the other. But listen to where it tells us. It says um, in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. They were going to encourage and strengthen churches. So we see this discipleship and equipping that's taking place. And so um, that begins to happen after people are one to the Lord. They begin to draw them to Christ. Then they begin to disciple them in the truths and, um, and, and all that, that we need to know uh, and grow into in Jesus. The next thing in is that they identified and appointed leaders, identified and appointed leaders. There's several scriptures that tell us this in Acts 14, verse 23. It says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so we see this over and over and over again. In fact, the next part of that is to repeat it. This happens over and over and over and over again. That, that 
These churches are being planted. Communities are being established. And we see throughout scripture where communities are changing. And this can still happen today. We talked about that last week. Remember the pipe dream thing, right? This can still happen. But we need to take steps of faith to truly take the church into the world. A lot of times we talk about that and we think it's like, you know, okay, I'm going to take Jesus into the world. So I'm going to do, I'm going to go to work and be nice. And that's good. Like we should do that and we can be evangelistic by ourselves, but that's not the full picture. There are some of us who are called to be a part of equipping believers. There are some of us who are called to be set apart and sent out. What's required of all of us right now? What's required of all of us? This is what I would tell you. A willing heart and determined action. A willing heart and determined action. Our next step in this, in this part of what we're doing as a church, in the setting apart and sending out, is if this is something that, that pricks your heart, if this is something you've felt stirred about in the past, if this is something that God's stirring your heart for now, then we're gonna begin to gather with people who have the same heart, the same leading, and we're gonna begin to walk through all of the, that whole pattern. We're gonna begin to pray. We're gonna begin to sense the leading of the Holy Spirit to where he wants us to go. We're gonna begin to... Um, Look at ways we can gain influence and share the love of Christ. We're going to declare the gospel. We're going to demonstrate the gospel. We're going to see someone to the Lord. We're going to begin to disciple and equip those who are one to the Lord. We're going to um, discern and establish, um, identify and put in place leaders. And we'll see this happen over and over again. Why am I confident in that? Because I see it here. Either the Bible's true or it's not, right? And so we, we need to kind of put our money where our mouth is. Either God still works according to scripture or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, we all just need to go play golf and get really mad. Because that's kind of what we're left with. But he does. He still does these things. And he still will do these things. Because Jesus is greater and we can see these things happen. If you say, yeah, I have a willing heart and, and I want to be determined in my action in this, I want to take steps of faith to see this happen, then you can go to the next steps and sign up. Listen, if you feel like God maybe wants me to be a part of a team of people who are set apart and sent out, I don't know if you feel set apart and sent to, to North Africa or, or to Portal, to Southeast Asia or Southeast Bullet, whatever it might be, right? But I know this, he's calling many of us to be set apart and sent. Not to do some, some flippant little visitation into an area, but to say, I'm willing to invest. I'm willing to be committed. I'm willing to be all in, bought out, or bought in, sold out for this area. To see it claimed for the name of Jesus to see it transformed. So you can go and sign up and you just say, look, this, this is my name. This is how you can contact me so we can start praying together. You can go to connection.church backslash sent. Connection.church backslash sent. You can sign up there. You can call the office. You can 
send a, you know, a home, homing pigeon, whatever you want to do, but let us know so we can begin to get together and begin to pray. In Acts chapter 20, and I'm going to close here. Acts chapter 20. In verse 24. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. These are elders that have been put in place to lead this church. Paul knows that he's about to die. In fact, this is coming out of his third missionary journey, the last one that's recorded in Scripture. And he knows he's going to Jerusalem. He's telling these elders that this is the last time you'll ever see me. He says, none of you will ever see my face again. And so they're sad, they're, they're weepy. And this is what he says. He says in verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's my heart in this, guys. There's all kinds of distractions in the world. There's all kinds of things that go on around us. But I know this, at the end of the day, I want to be able to say I ran my race well. I want to be able to stand before God and know that I did everything I saw in Scripture to the best of my ability. It's funny, my... My middle son and my youngest son both came into my bedroom last night. I was about to go to bed and they were separately. One came in and he came and gave me a hug and he said, preach good tomorrow. I don't know if I've done that. But anyway, um, then the youngest came in and separate. He comes over, gives me a hug and he said, preach good tomorrow. And you know, um, that means a lot to me. Um, and I told them both, because this is what I always tell them about themselves. I said, I'm going to do my best, and that'll be enough. And I feel that way about all this, guys. Um, and I'll share my heart with you for just a second. Throughout the last couple of years, it's been really challenging for me. I hadn't cried in a long time. I've known God's leading us in a different direction, that some things are changing. I've seen things in scripture that I've never seen before. And it's been really challenging at times to stay the course because it'd be easier just to do what we've always done. But I know that there's something more. I know that there's something else. And I don't want to get to the end of this and having left something on the table. I don't wanna to get to the end of it and us go, what if? What if we had tried to establish the pattern and the design of God? What if we hadn't been afraid? What if we hadn't been bound by what we knew, but we let God stretch us And here's the thing too, like I know through all of this, there's been times where I've been frustrated with myself because I know I haven't communicated it as clearly as it could be communicated. I know I see it so much more clearly in my head 
then I can speak it out of my mouth. The thing I know is that if we just keep taking one step at a time, God will get us to where he wants us to be. We don't have to have the whole picture. We don't have to have the whole road map laid out before us. All we have to do is take the, the next step. I know that drives some people crazy because we want to see the whole thing. But this is what I know and this is what I see in scripture. If we'll come with a willing heart and determined action and we'll begin to pray, God, where do you want us to go? There may be some that goes one way, some that goes the other. That's awesome. But God will lead us one step at a time to accomplish what he wants to accomplish and what he's shown us in his word. I believe that with all my heart. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, for your spirit. He leads us still, God, who still sets apart and directs, who still works, Lord, who still speaks. Thank you that you are a God who's with us. Holy Spirit, we need you. We acknowledge that this morning. We need your leading and direction, your, your encouragement and your strength, your courage and boldness. God, would you set apart those you're calling? That God, we could go and, and accomplish the purposes you have for us. To establish communities, God, where the gospel needs to be heard and seen demonstrated and declared that people would be equipped and encouraged in ministry and people would be set apart and sent out even of those communities. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for all you've already done. God, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for what you will do. God, we thank you for your grace that does for us, does in us, and does through us what we cannot do on our own. So Lord, have your way in our lives, in our lives, not just in my life or one life, but in our lives, Lord, together. Heart and soul together for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hope you guys have a good week. Students going back, have fun, I think. I don't know. Study hard.